what a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, how's it going, everyone? Another episode of Behind the Gorilla. Another week, another episode, and we're we're here. We're here every week. We're still doing it. We are. We're still Mark going. Mark is fighting his way through blizzards every week just to get to the studio. Uphill, <laughs> both ways. It is. the past. This Sunday and last Sunday are the first Sundays, and I swear, two months where it didn't snow. <laughs> oh, man. Like, it, it just, every Sunday, it just seems it's it's snowing outside. But past two weeks, it hasn't, so that's that's better. That's for sure. We appreciate your sacrifice. Oh, I appreciate my sacrifice, too. <laughs> Well, this is one of those weeks that I have a lot of research here, and I feel like it could go super long. It's always one or the other. We're always right. like, I don't know if we'll fill this whole thing up, and then we just like <laughs> we just add fluff and banter, and it yeah, lasts for do. two hours. Or we come in and we're like, strap in, guys, because this is a lot, and it goes for two hours. We're so. never, we're never like, you know what? We have the perfect amount of research this week. <laughs> that's right. never we, happened. We we never want to go under. I think that's part oh, that's of it. true. We're like, well, you know, nobody ever wants to. Maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe they're like, I just wish it'd be shorter. But I don't think <laughs> anybody wants to tune into a 20-minute podcast when we can you yeah. know, really get into it. Yeah. Well, Context is important for all this nonsense that we talk about. It's true. It's very true. But, so, a lot. I mean, a lot's been going on with wrestling. Um, obviously, we're behind on most of it because of just when our show comes out and when we record them. Like, we had to record the last one before the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, um, and Bailey and Sasha did win. Hooray! I was, I was shocked. So I couldn't happy. believe it. We, I was shocked. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" They just like did everything right. What? Yeah. Why would they do that? I was almost annoyed that they did it right. It almost that bugged a, me. Yeah, that was a really solid pay per view. I felt like all, it wasn't bad. All, some no. of it was dumb, but that oh, always yeah. happens. You know? No, but there were some. There were some good matches. The two chamber. I was surprised with how entertaining the the tag team chamber match was because. I think that's such a stupid idea doing a chamber like tag team mm-hmm. in a chamber and I still think that's dumb. But it was it was but it was fun. It was still enjoyable to watch. I thought it was done well and I enjoyed it. Yeah. And then, the way they eliminated um Tamina and Nia Jax was a ton of fun for me. I think that's that's one of the things that like it being a tag team match, you can do spots that you don't see a lot, like one team team member. Wow. One team member just charges through the glass door at 100 miles an hour because she can't slow herself down. And then every single member in the chamber looks at her teammate and is like, yeah, we're just going to beat her up and pin her, right? <laughs> and right. then they do. Right. <laughs> it was so satisfying. Yeah, that was nobody good. wanted them to win. No. It was beautiful. No. And then and then the other chamber match obviously was great. I mean, I knew it was going to be great because everyone involved was all awesome. I mean, these are like, all my, most of my favorites are all in the same match, and yeah. so I knew that was going to be a lot of fun. And they uh, they've continued to make Kofi a huge star. In two weeks, he went from oh yeah Kofi, he's in the New Day, to oh yeah Kofi, we forgot he's really good, which is kind of a shame at the same time because yeah Kofi's been around for 10, 11 years, two thousand like eight or nine he came into WWE, and yeah. he's been there ever since. He's one of the longest tenured 
guys in WWE who has not ever, like taken any time off really or left at all. And yeah, you know, obviously the New Day have been super over and that's been fun, but you know, all three of those guys are all amazing and people you forget when you're in like a faction like that, you do forget how good each one is. Yeah, absolutely. And especially someone like Kofi Kingston who has just done all this stuff for all these years and now getting a chance to kind of do this, it's 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 a lot of fun to watch. I enjoy it. Um, I'm still I'm still not sure what's going on because it 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 just seems a little quick to make this the WrestleMania thing, but there's nothing else. So why not? Yeah, I mean, th- this is what I really enjoy about this is watching, and I've only gotten to see it happen in real time like once. But seeing the fan base, maybe twice, seeing the fan base rally behind somebody right. and creative saying, oh, okay, you guys want to see that? We'll, we'll give you some more of that. Like, right. actually, I, I realize that they kind of have to tell their own larger stories, but when you get something like that just dropped into your lap, like, play with it. It's fun to see them do that. Yes, it is. Because it doesn't happen as much as you'd like it to. Exactly. I so many times are, it's like, oh, this is great. Why don't we do this? And then they're like, no. And they, yeah. and you hear, I can hear Vince McMahon slamming this gavel down, like, no, right. we don't want him. And like, like that happens so much. And I think this is a big reason that people look back on the Attitude Era fondly is because when there was actual televised competition every week, you had to give the people what they wanted. Otherwise, they True. might go watch something else. True. So there was a little bit, you know, the Attitude Era wasn't all good, but there was a little bit more of a sense of urgency, like anything can happen any week. And if you get something over with the crowd, they're going to give you more of it. And they might run it into the ground, but they're more likely to at least try to give you more and run it into the ground than they are to say, okay, you guys like that? Uh, You bought the Rusev Day (laughs) t-shirts? Great. We're never going to push him. He's never going to do anything. He's just going to continue to tweet passive aggressively until we fire him that's all that's gonna right yeah 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 you're not wrong and that you know what the other crazy thing is um well i feel like i've mentioned this a bunch i have but i was listening to kofi kingston on edge and christian's podcast from last week and he was talking about the beginning of the new day which is pretty cool because i remember when the new day came out and it was like it was bad it was horrible and it was like this is never gonna work this is terrible and then i found out According to with Kofi talking about it, basically what the New Day became was kind of what the initial idea was from them, from those three. Mm-hmm. And then Vince McMahon was like, no, we're gonna, I'm going to make you all preachers and you're going to preach positivity and you're going to get over with the crowd. And he 100% was shocked that they were getting booed. And, 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 and every time I hear something like this, I'm just like, how, how is this the same human being that created WrestleMania and this global empire called WWE. I don't understand. Vince McMahon is at the same time the like smartest person in the world and the absolute dumbest person who's ever existed. <laughs> like he has zero it's like he has zero cons he has this like great creative concept and like business concept and like company building type thing. And then he has zero common sense in any capacity whatsoever. And I, I don't know how these things exist in one human being. <laughs> I think it's two things working together, right? The first one is that he is a good businessman. Or oh, at of least course. He's, 
he's good in, in the ways that he needs to be. Like he started out with one territorial company and figured out, okay, well, this is how we're going to do pay-per-views and right. television deals and hire away different wrestlers. Like there's all this stuff behind the scenes. Like yep. he, I don't think people appreciate this enough. WWE had a streaming service literally before it was cool. Yeah. Like there was Netflix and there was Hulu. There wasn't like a streaming channel for every company. Right. There wasn't a UFC fight pass. There wasn't any of that. There was nope. the network. Yep. You're right. That's now that's not Vince's idea alone, but that is Vince looking at the landscape and saying, wait, this is the way things are going the same way a generation ago. He said, wait, pay-per-view. That's the way things are going. Weekly television. That's the way things are going. He Although is a technically smart the first, man, but I think the other first pay per view was not Vince Starcade, but anyway. right, 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 right. But you know, he was part of that. <laughs> right, right. Still, I'm sorry, Mr. WCW. I'm sorry. You're right. Hey, this hey. is why you're on here. Credit well, credit credit where credits due. That's fair. That's fair. So, anyway, the other side of that coin is he really he he just goes for anything. Like I think in any creative process, if you're sitting there and you wait for something you love like you might not ever get anything done but he is always just he's always trying something like the story i always think of is they were trying to think of you know a new moniker for stone for for steve austin to have right right? and it needs to be something you know because he's like an he he's a cold-blooded guy right like he's a he's a killer and he was like all right all right cold and he suggested you know like chili mcfreeze or Fang McFrost. Well, These well, are the that, kinds of things that, that was, Vince McMahon was coming up with. Well, no, that's not exactly the way it was. The, the, well, something the, like the that, office, though, right? The office gave Steve Austin like a big list of names. Right. There was like a ton of money. I don't think that's necessarily Vince, but... But you know what? Like, again, the idea is you have to just throw stuff at the wall and see right. what sticks. Sure. And he's maybe too willing to throw stuff, but at the same time, <laughs> like, you have to take... That's some a great risk. way well, to describe it. In the case of New Day specifically, it's easy to look back now and say, oh, well, yeah, what they do is great, and we should have known that works all along. Right. But if you're Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods and Big E, what's your elevator pitch for this version of the New Day? Like, well, we all wear bright colored clothes and well, it wasn't, talk about unicorns it wasn't, and pancakes. Okay, it, like, it wasn't, what was the pitch? It wasn't that far, but but it was more along that line, at least, I mean, as, an, it, as a concept. But I don't think it was that far right. initially and but it, and it works and it's fun but i also understand if your initial pitch is well we're just kind of goofy and dorky right. but when we really need to go in the ring we're really good that works now like we've seen it work and we've seen it sell merch and we've seen the catchphrases get over and stuff but i understand if you're vince mcmahon and you've never seen this play out you're like well no we need some more of a character to go with that. So what if they're yes, but but hold on. You know what I mean? No, like, no. And th- look, this isn't the problem that I have with this. My problem isn't the fact that Vince is like, oh, let's do this gimmick. That that's not necessarily the problem. Even though I still think I don't understand why this stuff is even done when it's clearly stupid. But my problem. <laughs> well, that's wrestling as a whole. My that's friend. true. But 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 my problem <laughs> is the fact. That he's so out of it that he thinks this terrible idea is going to get over and then is like confounded that it doesn't. That's the thing that doesn't make any sense. I I can understand throwing stuff at the wall, but at some point to not understand why something is totally dumb and every other person in the world does, 
is like mind-blowing to me. It's like you're going to send these three people out to talk, to literally be preaching to people, which is already something that people don't really enjoy, and it's going to be all this goody two-shoes people? That doesn't work just like that. Like, that doesn't... The, the people always anyway. boo that. Like, always. Yeah. That's a heel thing. Look at Daniel well, Bryan right now. Like, that's... He had just done that with CM Punk as a heel, like, a couple years before this. And it's like, that doesn't... Then And then to be so surprised, like, why doesn't this work? Like, it just... it. I don't understand. I don't understand certain things. And it's amazing. And, and look at this. Look at all the biggest stars in WWE history. The only one that was 100% cre- well, even that's not true. But really the only one that was like 100% created by Vince McMahon was Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan was already a character before he was, you know, before he was in WWF, he was already Hulk Hogan and that was our, there, there was already seeds of that character. But that's the only one. Stone Cold, he never wanted. The Rock, he didn't want. John Cena, he didn't want. None of these people Vince McMahon wanted, and then they got over, and then he's like, oh, okay, and then wrote him. Like, he's really not that smart at creating superstar characters, if you think about it. But then again, that kind of comes back to the first side of the coin that I was talking about. Roman Reigns is the other one. It's Hulk Hogan and Roman Reigns, and we've seen how that has gone over. Well, in fairness to him... The Hulk Hogan one worked out pretty well. True. That that's very, that's no, that's very true. And that's the one, obviously, that's the big one. But the problem is that worked so well for him that he has not gotten rid of that idea since then. You know what I'm really afraid of? And I, you know, I'm a Roman Reigns mark. If you're listening to this, you know, I'm a massive fan of Roman Reigns <laughs> and I will cheer for him unironically. Obviously, everyone wishes him the best and hopes he gets healthy. And this is an announcement that like he's coming back or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, kind of terrified that he's going to come back and say guess what I'm 100% healthy because then Vince will put him in the main event of wrestling <laughs> and just demolish all of the goodwill that he's earned with fans You're it'll right, just be yeah. gone instantly yeah. it'll be like oh it's Brock and Roman again in the main event everybody's like no <laughs> I can see but it I, I can like, see it th- that, that's what I'm afraid of yeah I don't know, man. I Here's the other thing, and we'll, we'll use this to transition into the other big thing that happened this week. I think, like, Vince McMahon is not panicking, but he is, like, he's trying different stuff. And I know that because he called up the entire top half of the NXT <laughs> roster with But, like, no, unofficially. Yeah, well, unofficially. Well, thank goodness. But, like, with no buzz, no big yeah. storylines a little bit of modest fanfare. Like this is what like, happens in the weeks after WrestleMania. Something right. like this happens. He's Not before. He's, he's throwing everything at the wall right now. Like I genuinely think he is. And I think it's like, you know, ratings are down, but like ratings have always been down. They're right. always dropping because fewer people watch TV. I don't think he's like panicking about the ratings, but I think he is looking around saying we have a billion dollar deal with SmackDown starting this fall. There's a new wrestling company out there. And a lot yet of my wrestlers he's still stripping everything from SmackDown and putting it on Raw. Mm-hmm. It's amazing mm-hmm. the stupidity with this guy and certain things. Like, I just well, don't understand. Oh, we have the hottest thing in the world on SmackDown while this billion dollar nil is happening. Nope, I want it on Raw. Move Becky, move move Charlotte, move that stuff to Raw. It's like, good well, this grief. Is, I'm going to... I'm going to quote this almost verbatim because I think it was a really good explanation. And if 
This is from a uh, David Shoemaker's podcast, The Masked Man Show. He was literally he was talking, he was interviewing somebody else about like the state of WWE, and he was just like, "Look, I I almost guarantee you this is what happened, right?" Vince McMahon says, "Why is everybody talking about AEW? Like, give me an AEW. What's so good about that? I can do that." And somebody pointed out, they said, "Well, Vince." You have an AEW. <laughs> it's called NXT. Right. And it's probably the best wrestling product on the planet right now. And he said, well, just give me the best guys from NXT and bring them up here. Like, he doesn't, he's not thinking, and that's, and Triple H was like, okay. I can and see it. brought him up, and like, they, he's not thinking about it in terms of NXT is popular because it's formatted completely differently, and it's about storytelling with wrestling as its payoff. It's not a traveling circus yeah. for three hours a week. And he thinks, okay, well, they say they like NXT and they want more NXT, so let's bring those guys up here. Like, he's always been... What what makes him work is he has an eye for talent, but in the carny sense. Like, yeah. what's the joke? Ooh, that's the a joke good is point. that Vince McMahon pushes somebody because he says, oh, look at him, you know? That's a good he's point. he's big and he's strong and you see someone live... Someone I hear people talk about a lot is someone like Sheamus, who, like, he's fine. I like him where he is now right. as a tag team. But people always say, like, when you see him live, if you get close to him or you meet him, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I get yeah. why he thinks this guy could be larger than life because he is larger than life. You know, so, another thing I thought about with the way the product has changed. Wh- how are they going to fill the void of the Divas matches? And I mean that. In all seriousness, because they no, they, I know they, exactly because they mean. don't because they don't have a solution right now, and it shows. Yep. I like people. I don't think we realized the spot that that the 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 role that that played for so many years, because there's no buffer mat. There, there's nothing they have for buffer matches anymore. There's no place to catch your breath, right? There's no. I mean, I, seriously, there's no Santino Morella anymore. Well, that's fine. I, I agree, but. And there's no Divas matches, so the kind of few things over the past 10 or 15 years that have helped calm crowds down from big moments and then get them ready for the next one doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, like, on the one hand, obviously, obviously it's great that, like, women can actually wrestle and are getting a chance to put on good, like, 15, 20-minute matches. Yep. The flip side of that is, in the past, when the women's division was, like, the 5-minute, 10-minute popcorn match you had this breather in your card where like mm-hmm. people could go to the bathroom if they needed to, or they could, it just, it, it shook things up. Yeah. So it wasn't just like 25 minute classic after 25 minute classic, which will wear anybody down. And it has, and yeah. that's the thing. I, I think a show doesn't, I, I think if you have a good show, you don't need that. You watch new Japan. They don't have any of that. It's just all good matches. But the problem is the way the WWE, the WWE product works and the way the fans are, they're not like these other fans of other things. Like it just does. It doesn't. They're not the same, and it, so it doesn't play yeah. the same. And and they've been conditioned a certain way as well. That's part of it too. And so they don't have that right now. They don't have this come down ma- like thing. They haven't found a replacement for it. And so I'm just wondering yeah. if they're going to address that at some point, or if they're just going to say forget it and then just keep doing it the way they've been doing. And it's just, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if anybody in the company has vocalized it quite the way we have. Like, I think they might kind of feel it's a problem because more people are getting 
cranky about Worn the cards out. more often. They're also making them longer, so that's part of it too. That's the other part of it. Well, here's I, – I mean I think the solution they've sort of started to implement it, which is just you got to have some squash matches in there. And I which know it sucks fair. for your favorite wrestler when it's them. Right. Like if that were Bailey on Sunday night getting squashed, I'd be pissed, obviously. But the fact that like I, I know that she's talented and she has her fans, I'm not really that invested in Ruby Riot as a character, and I'm not that offended that they use her to elevate Ronda Rousey. I was a little disappointed. I think if you know, I, I don't think it would be as big of a deal if people realized that they were willing to spread the wealth around. Like if people thought Ruby Wright might get a big push in three months, yeah. but nobody thinks that's going to happen. So if you're a fan of hers, I get it. Everybody's, you know, the sky is falling. I, yeah. I do get it. Yeah, no, that's fair. So anyway, I don't know where we started this whole train, but that that's where we're going to finish for now. And um, so then the other thing I, I do I do want to talk about before we get into the actual show an hour late um is have you seen fighting with my family no i haven't yet it's good right okay you you need to see this movie i saw it friday it is fantastic it it is out it's outstanding it was it was great i'm genuinely shocked i'm not good i'm not i'm not shocked and you know why you know why i'm shocked because it was not a studio-made movie, and it was right. not a WWE Studios-made movie. And that is, mm-hmm. those are the reasons primarily why it it wasn't bad, as you would think of, oh, wrestling movie or whatever. And it's also not, it's not a wrestling movie. Right. I mean, it is, it is, obviously, but at no point is it like, oh yeah, we're making a wrestling movie, and it's... I don't know. There's so many times when they could have, and I almost expected them to either go a little bit goofier or to either go over dramatic, if that makes sense. Like, like with mm-hmm. so many, like when stuff is movie-fied, quote unquote. There were many moments where I was like, "Oh, they're gonna go into this probably," and then and they never did. They, they avoided all these things that I thought they that might like hinder it or, or kind of take away from it. They avoided all of them. And they just made a very straightforward biopic movie about this, you know, this woman's life. And it's it's great that all the actors are fantastic. The Obviously, the story is great. The story of Paige. And it was it was written and directed by Stephen Merchant. And so the dialogue and the writing is incredible, like because he's an outstanding writer. I mean, he's the one who created The Office for crying out loud. And. And it was it was so much fun. It was hilarious. There's multiple parts where you just die laughing, but but it's not a com- but it's not a comedy necessary you know necessarily. So it just has it had everything, and it it it, it is the perfect thing. I've it is probably the best thing I've ever seen. Where it's like you have that you know everyone has that one person or those few people that don't watch wrestling and don't like wrestling and maybe even mock you for liking wrestling. This is the movie you show those people and they can get it. Like that is what wrestling is like all about in almost every aspect. And so it was so much fun to be able to see that. That's awesome. And I just, I, I remember when they announced the film and it's something that WWE has been pushing from the beginning. Right. Like, Oh, they're making this new movie about page, especially cause you know, it lined up 
right with when she had to walk away from the ring, which right. sucked. But it was it was cool to see that also out there, this project. But I I thought like I was I was afraid it would be one of those things that's like maybe good if you're a wrestling fan because it's about Paige, but mm-hmm. not something that like anybody in the mainstream would ever respect or appreciate. And it's blowing me away to see how many good reviews it's getting. And it's going to be like, this sounds really dumb to say, but it's just going to be like a mainstream popular movie that gets good reviews. And that's something that I don't associate with wrestling at all. Exactly. So it's really exciting. And I'm also excited to see how WWE completely fails to capitalize on it. Because you know, like in the next two weeks, like, I don't know if Raw's ratings are going to spike, but like, would you be surprised if they did? If enough people, no, I wouldn't. If this gets big enough, and enough people are like, "Oh well, let me see," you know, I haven't watched wrestling since 1998. Let me see what they're doing, and then they're going to tune in and see Baron Corbin and change the channel. <laughs> yep, no, you're you're run, you're you're right. You're you're very right. It's gonna, it's they'll definitely uh, wreck wreck it for sure. That's 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 for sure. Which is a shame. It is it is a shame. But but man, yeah, it is it was great. And and all of the people I've seen talk about it, like movie review people, everyone has the exact same start to it like you just said, Harris, where they're like, "Well, didn't really think much of it and uh don't really know or like or care about wrestling, but I was surprised. This movie was great." Like that yeah, was, was that was the collective like response pretty much to this movie. I mean, well, that like that was my response to wrestling. Right. You know what I mean when I started to watch it. So I'm really glad. I, I don't know if it's gonna work out or not, but man, wrestling is so due for a comeback. But anyway, but so yeah, definitely go see Fighting with My Family. All of you, go see that. Harris, you need to go see it too because it's, right. it's, it's fantastic. Definitely, definitely worth it. So anyway, after that, this is basically good stuff. Though. It's That's basically gonna be content. it's gonna be two shows now. Um, Always is. I guess we now can uh, get into the actual show because Harris does have a topic he worked real hard on and he's real proud of. I, <laughs> I hope. I hope. So I was about to say, it's funny you say that because I actually am. This is oh, one perfect. I've wanted to do for a while. Perfect. And I just didn't think I'd have the time to get all into it, but I feel like I can do it justice now. So I am excited for it. Well, perfect. So without further ado, let's shift to our actual topic. And uh, let, let's let's find out about the crazy history of professional wrestling, Harris. Please enlighten us. All right. So it's funny that you say history because, like, I was just talking about this is an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. You know what I mean? Like, we've got not only is the roster, like, as talented as it's ever been, but there's so much potential for, like, a new mainstream renaissance in wrestling. And maybe, you know, we only think that because we're on the inside and nobody on the outside really cares about wrestling. But it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan with all this different stuff going on, right? That wasn't really as much the case in 2010. And this is an episode, one reason I'm excited to do this, Mark, is because I'm going to get a little bit of your own input on this because I know you were watching the product oh, yeah. for this storyline that I'm about to talk about. And 2010 was a weird year for wrestling, that's for sure. 2010. It's a very forgettable year. It's a very forgettable year in professional wrestling. Yeah, it really is. This is another episode that was inspired by the uh, the series of articles labeled "Historically Significant Disasters of Wrestling," and this is one that I've wanted to do for a long time because it really fits the bill on every level. But it's also something 
that I can relate to. I, I understand as a casual fan, I get the appeal of it. Because this is a little bit, you know, if you guys have been listening to this show for a while, this is a little bit of backstory. But when I first started watching wrestling, I was like 19 years old. And one thing that I appreciated right away, having never watched wrestling before in my life, is that they have a good guy commentator and a bad guy commentator. And it, it annoys you as an experienced wrestling fan that they yep. spend all of this time jawing back and forth instead of calling the action that's happening in the match. It's awful. But there is, I understand in theory why that's there. No, and there's no. something really cool. Hang on, just let me let me finish and then tell me what you think. There's something to be said for the fact that I, as you know, somebody who didn't know any of these wrestlers when I first started watching, by the time they get to the ring, you understand who they are, you understand kind of what's happening and what's happened in the last two weeks, and you're sort of equipped now to watch the match. And I noticed that again watching uh, the Royal Rumble with one of my friends who's super casual, has only seen like two or three pay-per-views with me. And every time someone starts to come to the ring, I'm like, oh, so this guy, and then I stop. And I realize that Michael Cole and Corey Graves are telling this person exactly what they need to know. Now, I'm not going to bat for all of the announcers right now and saying, oh, they all do a great job or anything like that. Like the WWE style can be annoying. I get that. All I'm saying is as a preface to this episode, I understand the the beauty of wrestling when you have a heel color commentator Somebody like Bobby the Brain Heenan, who can just be the absolute worst, always rooting for the bad guys, always cracking jokes. The best of all time. Right. He's elevating and continuing to tell the story, even as he's being this unbearable little toe rag, right? Um, the, the, The problem with that is that typically your heel commentator is the color commentator. And there's a very simple rhythm to it. So if I tune into an episode of Raw in the spring of 2014, I can hear Michael Cole say, oh, there's the good guy doing this move. And then there's a pause and JBL comes in and says, no, I hate that guy. He's he's the worst. He's a hypocrite. And that's, you know, JBL is not nearly as good as somebody like Bobby the Brain, right? Obviously, but there's that rhythm to it where you have a play-by-play guy who's like, who's neutral, who's a good guy. He's a fan of the good guys just like you are. And you have the bad guy who chips in and tells you why he actually likes the bad guys. Like, just very basic wrestling 101 level stuff. The problem with that comes when you decide to make the play-by-play guy the heel commentator. And I'm talking, of course, about Michael Cole's heel run as a play-by-play announcer who hates everyone and everything. Except for The Miz. Except for The Miz. I'm so glad that you said that because that's where this story begins. And really, like, here's the thing. I like you guys. If you're still listening, God bless you. I really appreciate it. I like doing this show every week. But what I was not going to do is watch every episode of Raw and every pay-per-view from 2010 to 2012 (laughs) and write down every time Michael Cole did something annoying. That's good. Um, I'm so glad you didn't. I don't have the time or the patience to make that happen. But I found a few that we're going to center it around because I feel like it really encompasses this Michael Cole story. And I know you probably you probably have already guessed where I'm going with this, but just humor me, right? So we're going to start this story with The Miz. Because like you said, Michael Cole, heel Michael Cole at this point, is just this really douchey play-by-play commentator 
who doesn't care for most of the wrestlers in WWE, but he really, really, really likes the Miz. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say something real quick. Yep. Um, one, this um, I'm I'm so happy that you did this because I think I had this on my list too, and I really didn't want to do it. So I'm so happy <laughs> that you did this because this would have been one of those this would have been one of those episodes that I worked on and was just miserable the whole time. So I'm I'm very happy you did this because this needed to be done. So I'm glad you you took the uh, you, you took this dirty work and 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 created it. Um, also, I'm just gonna go on the record as saying this is probably. And I still, I still think that that Hornswoggle one is probably the worst WWE storyline of all time. But this is probably the worst thing I've ever seen from the WWE ever. Like, <laughs> I, Harris is going to get into it, but you guys don't understand if you didn't watch any of this. And and honestly, if you didn't, wa- if you weren't watching wrestling at this time, you won't understand. Like Harris, I love I- that you did this, but there's no way. You fully understand this because you weren't watching this week in and week out, having to go through it. Like I'm so glad this, you said that because I was literally going to point that out, and I will as we go along. Right, it's completely different watching bits and pieces of this and piecing it together into a larger storyline than it is watching week in and week out and every pay per view for six months. Yep, I totally get that, and I'm really interested to see how far apart our opinions are on all this different stuff that's about to happen yeah like this was one of the most miserable times to be a wrestling fan just for this single element because it right because like it's not like when there's a bad storyline it's like okay this really sucks but now it's over and now we're this part of the show this doesn't end it's every minute of every single wwe programming you're having to deal with it and so that's what made this so much worse than even other things, as far as just watching the product at the time. So, that, so I am I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready to relive this and go back through yes. all of this past past trauma. I'm ready. Beautiful. All right. So we're gonna pick up, kind of nearing the end of 2010. Uh, the Nexus angle is dying finally. It was kind of killed at SummerSlam, which is yeah. Maybe not another episode, but certainly another interesting story. Started promising. Yeah, yeah, it started off well, it really went downhill, it's a faction of all these new wrestlers, and uh, anyway, at Survivor Series in 2010, Randy Orton is holding the championship at the time, he's got a match against Wade Barrett, but before the title match, the Nexus comes out, this is the faction that's led by Wade Barrett, they beat the tar out of Randy Orton, leave, the title match starts, but of course, you know, Wade Barrett has a huge advantage, and he's about to finish off Randy Orton and win the title, when John Cena interferes, and John Cena, you know, beats up Wade Barrett, the Nexus comes storming down the ramp to fight off Cena, Cena runs off through the crowd, leads the Nexus on this, you know, merry chase, and Randy Orton hits an RKO, pins him, and retains the title. Yeah. And it's just some sort of, you know, it, it's the same kind of main event nonsense we've been seeing for the last few months, three, four, five months or so, and, you know, whatever, but then all of a sudden... The Miz's music hits, and he comes running down to the ring because the Miz at this point has the money in the bank contract. Oh, he immediately, yeah. he cashes in on Randy Orton. There's a little bit of a back and forth because you got to make Randy Orton look strong. And eventually, he nails the skull crushing finale. One, two, three, and we have a new champion. Yay! And a reaction gift for the Woo. ages from that small child. And 
I don't know. Were you excited about this at this point? Because I know you always liked the Miz. <laughs> uh, I mean, excited might be a little strong, but like, yeah. I mean, I've always been a Miz fan. I've always found the Miz incredibly entertaining and funny and fun to watch, um, even to the chagrin of my dad through many years who has always hated him um but no i i was happy he was champion yeah and also at this point this is like the peak of the randy orton boredom was like right now because 2009 was the height of the john cena randy orton thing and then they Mm -hmm. just kept it going for like two years and so this is near the back end of that when it's like we're really still doing this, and everyone was just really bored. And also, because Randy Orton was a face, which was another problem. Randy Orton as a face is terrible and is so boring. And so that was another problem, is at this point, Randy Orton had become a face, so he was just like the most mind-numbingly boring character at the time. And so that was another reason why I enjoyed The Miz winning. Okay. Well, I'm glad you said excitement is a little bit of an overstatement. Yeah, Because let me bit. tell you who excitement was not an overstatement for. It was Michael Cole. <laughs> The the play-by-play commentator, the man who does – if you're watching a three-hour wrestling pay-per-view, Michael Cole is in your ear for like an accumulated, you know, like two hours and 50 minutes. And he is just over the moon about this. He is so it, – it, it borders on tacky, but it's not quite there. It's just kind of annoying. The same way that for most fans, The Miz is kind of annoying. And the show goes off the air. Miz has won the title. He celebrates – And we come back out the next night on Raw, and, you know, he's doing what all the smarmy heel champions do. He's having a title celebration, right? He's he's having, he's patting himself on the back, talking about how great he is, and he's interrupted. Not by a wrestler whose music hits and they come down the ramp, you know, like you'd kind of expect from something like this if you're a wrestling fan. No, he's interrupted by Jerry the King Lawler. Jerry the King Lawler, at this point is celebrating his 61st birthday on this episode of Raw the same night. Big milestone. And Sorry, what? Big milestone. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I'll be honest, I didn't know he was that old at the yeah. time. <laughs> he looks pretty good for 61. He's and still wrestling that. now. Remember that, kids, because we're going to come back to it later. He's like 70 years old and he still has wrestling matches. I believe it. It's, it's wild. I believe it. Well, the reason that he really pipes up is at some point in this promo, Miz points out, you know, that look at all these great people that have wrestled in the WWE and have never held the championship. And I'm better than all of them because I have the championship. And Jerry stands up and he's like, now, hang on a second. You're, you know, you won the title. Congratulations. That's great. But, you know, I just, I, I can't help but think that some of the people you named on that list, as great as they were, they were never WWE champions. Because they never had a title shot. He said, look at me. I've been in the WWE since 1993, and I haven't had one match for the WWE title. Not one. So I tell you what. How about you prove that, you know, you're not a paper champion, that you are as awesome as you say you are, right? Give me a title match tonight. And the crowd, like, doesn't pop huge, but they're kind of like, oh, well, this is different like that kind of pop you know they're feeling it out and the Miz of course says that's a great idea Jerry but I don't really feel like defending my title tonight you know right because he's he's the Miz and he's he doesn't want to do it well then you get the email from the anonymous raw general man oh yeah that was going on at the time. time I forgot about that too 
Oh, right. This is one of those things that like it all overlaps. I think we'll we'll probably do an episode on this one. I probably won't because I won't be able to handle it. But you probably do it. This is one of those (laughs) things that I have a lot of curiosity about. I remember I'm going to describe this angle for anyone who somehow doesn't know what it is. If you're not a huge wrestling fan, the same way it was described to me by my friend because as i was getting into wrestling but your description getting... is your friend's description is wrong but hang on but just let me ahead. finish let me let me get it out there because i think you'll agree with it but i've heard it before I... oh okay well <laughs> you've I'm explained just gonna it. it anyway you've then for the sake of the rest of you out there my buddy jake he he was getting back into wrestling at the time so he had seen some of this and you know they mentioned the anonymous raw general manager and i was like oh that that sounds like it could be really interesting you know, like it's uh, that's the kind of dumb soap opera mystery that could work in wrestling, right? And he said, "Well, in theory, it could have been really interesting. In practice, it just ended up with a bunch of wrestlers yelling at a laptop." Yeah, that, that was most of the show. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so that was uh, that is fair. That's pretty much all it was because it went on for so long. We'll probably do another episode about it. It Suffice went on it for to say, so this long. This is the kind of thing that would happen all the time. Like, there's a little chirping sound, the the announce system, and ding, ding. Yeah. If you're a wrestling fan, I'm sure you can hear it in your nightmares to this And day, I but... quote. Yep, yep, that was it. Michael Jeez. Cole would stumble up to the podium and say, may I have your attention, please? I just got an email go, from the anonymous Raw general manager. And I quote. And then say yeah. whatever the crap was. And everyone would go, boo, because they were sick of the this. The best part was it wasn't even on the computer. He had a piece of paper with him that he would read, and there wasn't anything on the screen. That's the best part <laughs> about it. That's fu- Do you think you could have at least had it where, like, Vince is in the back sending an email, a fake email, whatever, to a new account they created, so, and like, at least had that? That doesn't take that much. Michael Cole, and that- you can tell that. I never even thought right, about Right, like, that. that doesn't take that much effort to actually do for Ooh. real. Like, good grief. That's very funny. Anyway, I'm sorry. So that's that's for the future episode, right? <laughs> anyway, the general manager comes in, emails in, and says, okay, so you do have to defend your title tonight. It's going to be in the main event, and it's going to be a TLC match oh, against a 61-year-old man. And look, here's the thing. You mentioned Jerry Lawler is still wrestling today. It's not... It's not the worst match you've ever seen. Like, no. Does he look like he's 61 years old? Yeah, it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, he's been wrestling 40 years. He's got, you know, four or five moves that he can still do. You know, it's like riding a bike. And it's not a great match, but it's like you're not offended by it. Let me put it that way. Because Jerry Lawler is, you know, he's the face color commentator at this point. He's got a good bit of goodwill from the crowd. He's a wrestling legend, all this stuff. So it's a serviceable match, and the crowd doesn't hate it. Like, they're, they're willing to play along because, you know, we like Jerry Lawler. This is nice for him, and we hate The Miz. And, hey, who knows? Maybe they will just give him the title tonight because it's his birthday. And, you know, have him lose it back the next week. Whatever. People are pretty into it. But it's mostly an excuse for, you know, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes into the match. Miz gets blasted through a table, just, you know, knocked off the apron through a table. And Jerry starts climbing the ladder. And, oh, my goodness, he's about to do it. He's about to go with and one of the mics cuts off at commentary, and it cuts off because Michael Cole has thrown his headset to the ground, sprinted into the ring, and he started grabbing at Jerry Lawler. And I was really hoping they would commit and just have him, like, knock the whole ladder over and, like, drop him onto a rope and kill him. Right. They didn't do that. <laughs> he ends up just grabbing his foot, 
pulling him up and, and dropping him, and he almost lands on his feet, which was a little disappointing. But, you know, it's not quite the heel turn, but it's the first time that you've seen Michael Cole get this directly involved in anything like this because he just loves the Miz so much and he hates Jerry Lawler and Jerry's like, what are you doing? Like he gets really mad obviously. And Michael Cole is immediately doing the classic heel shtick of like, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Let's talk about this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Jerry chases him around the ring, just starts stomping him into the corner, loses track of the Miz. The Miz climbs the ladder, takes the title and retains. Right. So now Michael Cole has very clearly cost Jerry Lawler a title opportunity. So mm. now that that was all Survivor Series the night after Survivor Series in 2010. And as we make our way into 2011, he doesn't get like an immediate rematch or anything like that, but he is in a lot of tag matches against The Miz and The Miz's crony at the time, a guy named Alex Riley. So this is a way for Jerry Lawler to stay involved to a certain extent and we just kind of they kind of give him a different tag partner every week and different people pin different people, different people take the pin, you know, it's kind of their way of dragging the feud out a little bit. And the GM, through the laptop, has forbidden Jerry from touching Michael Cole, so he's just been, you know, he's been dealing with the Miz right now. That's where his focus is, is on trying to get this title shot. And finally, uh, in February of 2011, right after the Royal Rumble, they say, okay, we're going to have a Raw Rumble to determine who fights the Miz for his championship at the next pay-per-view. Wow. And this is a thing that they've, I don't think they've done it since. I've never heard of them doing it before. It's a seven-man rumble. Right, it's not a rumble. That That's why. They've right. done it. It's just, it's not a rumble. <laughs> well, it's, the, you know, it's a diet. It's the day after rumble. It's the hangover rumble. I forget. Who, okay, who won the Rumble in 2011? Uh, that was Alberto Del Rio in the 40-man <laughs> Royal Rumble, I believe. Great. I can't think of a more deserving winner. That was one of the worst Rumbles ever. Oh, man, this is so, he's just so mediocre. Anyway. He's I not, presume... though. Like, that's the, that's the shame. That's the problem. He's really good. He's just so boring. And his, char- his character... And WWE was even worse than his character in other places. Mm-hmm. It was just, anyway, that has not that's so that has nothing to do. Anyway, with whatever's happening, he's clearly going after he's going after the SmackDown title. He's going after the World Heavyweight Championship. So Raw, the kayfabe explanation makes a lot of sense. They say, okay, we're going to have a seven man Raw Rumble. It's like the Royal Rumble, except it's only seven guys, and whoever wins the Raw Rumble, they get the title shot, not at WrestleMania, but at Elimination Chamber. The six guys who are left, the six guys who don't win, they go on to the Elimination Chamber match at Elimination Chamber, and that's going to be for the number one contendership. So you win it, you get an immediate title shot, you lose it, you get a chance to fight for an additional title shot down the line, right? Which I was sort of impressed by giving it stakes. It sort of made sense, which was nice. And it's, you know, it's basically like a Royal Rumble, just in miniature, like CM Punk and Randy Orton are in this personal feud that's going to WrestleMania. So they eliminate each other. And Johnny Nitro has a spot where he should get eliminated, but he doesn't because his hands didn't hit the floor. It's both feet have to touch the floor and only his hands touch the floor. You get it. It was that (laughs) spot. Oh, yeah. And you have John Cena just losing his mind completely and locking in the STF on Sheamus in a Rumble match. So Sheamus taps immediately, and they're like, that's great, nothing happens, because it's a rumble match. Eventually, (laughs) Cena's eliminated by Sheamus, 
And we're left with Jerry the King Lawler, a 61-year-old man, and Seamus. And, of course, you got to make, you know, you got to make Cena look strong. So Seamus goes for the big boot, misses. Cena has lower, he's pulling on the top rope, so he, like, lowers the ring ropes. Seamus basically flings himself over with his own momentum. And Jerry Lawler has won the Raw Rumble. Not the Royal Rumble, but the Raw Rumble. Yay. And he's earned... Earned, I'm putting in quotes there, he's earned a title shot against The Miz at Elimination Chamber. And again, the crowd doesn't hate this. Like on paper, this might be kind of a bad idea that cheapens the championship, and I can get your thoughts on that in a minute. But like the crowd is going with it. Like they're not in open revolt the way they would be if that was like Roman Reigns or something like that, right? Despite Jerry being a 61-year-old man, he's got the goodwill at this point to sort of pull it off. So the only person who's not happy about this is, again, Michael Cole. And he's so mad that he can't even deliver his lines right. And this is one of the few things that I wrote down verbatim. He said, enjoy it while you can, Jerry Lawler. You're going to be eliminated by The Miz because that's that's why they call it the Elimination Night. Oh, boy. <laughs> he's so mad he botched his own line. There we go. There we which go, Which I Cole. enjoyed quite a bit. That was fun. There we go. But here's the thing. Now we get to Elimination Chamber. This is like February of 2011. And I, I know Jerry Lawler has always been considered like a legend of wrestling. And he's a Hall of Famer already by this point. And I have a lot of respect for the guy. But I, I got to tell you, until I watched this angle and this match, I always thought of him as kind of a clown. Because that's always in WWE, that's usually what he is. He's either the goofy heel color commentator, like in the Attitude Era, or he's what he is at this point and what he was when I started watching wrestling, which is the goofy face color commentator. And he's just, he's got bad jokes about either the good guys or the bad guys, but he's yeah. just kind of a goofy guy. That, and even the stuff we've talked about with his career in Memphis wrestling, like the, when we've talked about him on the show, he does really cool stuff like with Andy Kaufman, but that's against a wrestler who's kind of intentionally a joke. And it's still like, that was a great program. And we enjoyed talking about that and watching that. People remember that fondly, but that's not what you would call a serious wrestling angle. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of one reason it ended up on the show. Like, it's good, but I've never seen Jerry Lawler in a real, like, sink your teeth into, like, serious babyface wrestling storyline. Right, which is a shame because, I mean, he's one of the greatest of all time, like, in a serious sense. And and And, most people just know him from, like you were saying, the goofy commentator from... From, you know, from Raw or the WWE, which is kind of a shame. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like, before this match, and it wasn't really due to any foresight of their own, but seven days on the dot before this match, Jerry's mother passed away. And they go to him backstage before this match, and he cuts Mark legitimately one of the best promos that I've ever seen a wrestler take because it's just... It's just real. It's just pure, you know, of course, like my mom died. That's all I've been able to think about this week. That's all that's on my mind. But you know what? I know you have to keep moving forward even when it's really hard. And I'm going to do my best to focus on this match tonight because, you know, I'm not going to get another chance. And he says, I've been wrestling for 40 years. There's two things I've never gotten to do. I've never gotten to perform at WrestleMania and I've never gotten to hold the WWE championship. But tonight, I'm going to do both of those things. And you're just like, man, I'm in. 
Like I yeah. know he's 61 years old and it's kind of, you know, outside of kayfabe, it's dumb that he can be expected to hang in a title match, but like, you don't care. He's that good. Like he does such a good job oh, yeah. that you're in and the crowd is in like they're behind him. They're giving him the benefit of the doubt. And as he comes to the ring, you know, Michael Cole is just ripping him. But Booker T is like, nah, man, think about it. Think about Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. Like, you only need one night. And he can make all of his dreams come true tonight. And, dude, it's a really great, like, genuinely serious moment. And it works better than it has any right to work. And it gave me a new appreciation for just how good Jerry Lawler is. Even coming into this match that you know, you kind of know that he's not going to win. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't win. And that's, you know, kind of jumping to the chase here. It's a decent, you know, it's a decent match. He gets a little bit of offense in. Miz is kind of doing the carrying, obviously, because Jerry's old. But, you know, it, it looks reasonably competent. And he teases doing his pile driver finisher, which you kind of know they're never going to let him do. And Miz reverses it. Eventually hits the skull-crushing finale. And after a perfectly respectable, you know, like 15-minute title match, Miz retains, and he beats him, and he beats him pretty clean. Like, Alex Riley's doing some interference, but it's not a total, like, screw job finale, you know? And Michael Cole just loses his mind again. And the next night on Raw, you know, he's saying, he's he's rejoicing as the show goes off the air that Jerry won't get to go to WrestleMania. He's going to have to buy a ticket because he won't even be allowed to do commentary, you know? And it's... <laughs> It's already gotten a little bit like, okay, we had like a cool thing here, but why couldn't you just take Jerry Lawler seriously on his own terms and we just move on to something else? Well, the next night, it gets even worse because Michael Cole invites Jerry Lawler to an interview. And he doesn't just say, hey, it really sucks that you lost that match. He goes off on Jerry Lawler, you know, and he's saying he's just asking him question after question after question after question. And Jerry's just looking at him stone faced because he's asking him questions like, how did it feel when you realized your dreams were shattered, that you weren't going to WrestleMania? Did you think that, hey, maybe Michael Cole's right. Maybe I should hang it up. And he's just going on and on and on. And Jerry still hasn't said anything. And the crowd is, you know, just kind of Wedding, but like wedding because they're kind of bored, not wedding because they're interested, you know, or getting real heel heat. And then something turns and he looks, he takes the genuine emotion that they had the night before at this pay per view and he says, No disrespect, but when you realize that your deceased mother had the best seat in the house and the crowd goes, Oh, come on. <laughs> the whole, it's not even. It's cheap heat, but it's cheap heat like the please don't. Like, come on. Just, we want to be better than this. And he looks Jerry Lawler in the eyes and he says, how did you feel when you realized you let your mother down? And the crowd just goes, oh, okay, he went there. Oh, jeez, all right. We're doing this, aren't we? And Jerry Lawler, again, he, he, he kind of saves this moment. And again, it gave me a new respect for how good he is. Because he grabs him by the throat, you know, and the crowd pops. They're back into it. They want to see this guy get his ass kicked, right? And he says, he, he cuts another great promo. And I'm so used to Jerry the King Lawler being this goofy, like, this goofy old man in commentary or this guy who hangs out with Batman and fights Andy Kaufman. <laughs> and he looks him in the eyes and he says, if you ever mention my mother again, it'll be the last thing you ever say. Now, I've been out here for weeks listening to you call me an old man and singing the praises of your thumb-sucking friends. 
He says, remember this, Cole. I've forgotten more about this game than you and they will ever know. And I was just like, watching this in 2019, I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. (laughs) It's such a good line. I've forgotten more about this game than you and your friends will ever know. And he just... He means it, you know, like he's not playing again. He's not cutting a promo. He is talking to this guy right now and like speaking the truth and people can tell, you know, he says, you say I'm not going to WrestleMania. Well, I've got a way in. And even if it gets me fired, I'm issuing a challenge. Me versus you. And Michael Cole practically wets himself. You know, he's back to the heel shtick. He's like, you're a senile old man. I don't, I don't have to talk to you. And then he, turns around he crawls out of the ring and he runs back to the commentary table and all of a sudden you hear his mic pop up again he says i'm coming back here i'm doing my job you leave me alone jerry lawler let me just do my job like he's just he's been talking crap for weeks and all of a sudden he's ready to drop it all he's like no 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 no. i'm ready to get back to work so the next match here you know jerry's not about to let that happen michael cole throws a drink in his face runs for his life and the show moves on. And this is a weird thing about this feud at this point. Jerry Lawler has been kind of shuffling back and forth between working as a commentator and working in the ring. Well, now Michael Cole is getting involved in the action and is occasionally leaving the commentary table too. And you have this weird phenomenon where sometimes there's only one guy at the commentary desk where people will just get up and leave for no reason. <laughs> it's very funny, like just yeah. in retrospect, because sometimes they'll just be like, nope, and okay. Okay, I'm just down here alone now. I'm just it's just me and Justin Roberts. We're just hanging out, you know. But anyway, the next week Michael Cole accepts the match. So this is an officially booked match for WrestleMania 27. But he accepts the match on two conditions. He says, "Well, one, you know, you're a wrestler. You've been trained. I need to pick a trainer. I want to choose someone from the roster to be my trainer and my manager." And he chooses Jack Swagger, who's you know, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, that's another guy just, who everyone appreciates a lot more now that he's gone. Yeah, I mean, but I get it. Like, I was about to say that seems about right. Like, yeah. they're not going to put John Cena in. This, you know what I <laughs> right, mean? Right, right. And not only does he want to pick his own personal trainer. So now, now you know, Jack Swagger is harassing Jerry Lawler wherever he can, putting him in the ankle lock whenever he can. And, you know, that was his submission at the time. But that's not enough, you know, to have a heater in his corner. Michael Cole says, I want to choose the special guest referee because I want to make sure that whoever does this will call it completely down the middle. So a few weeks later, he comes out. Charles Robinson. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) And he stands in the ring and he says, may I have your attention, please? And everybody goes, because they're sick of this by now. And he goes on this spiel about how, you know, he actually, he really respects Jerry Lawler. He really does. And that's why he wants to get a ref that will be fair, that will call the match down the middle and not give anyone an unfair advantage either way. And he says, so without further ado, let me introduce you to this man. And I should mention, we are in Texas at the time of this Raw. And he says, the man who's going to be the ref, you know him very well. He's a former WWE champion. He's from, just like me, the great state of Texas. And the crowd kind of starts to heat up a little bit, you know, because they, I know a wrestler who's from Texas who's been WWE champion. And Michael Cole says, that's right. You know him. You knew he was here. You hoped he'd be here. And here he is. Let's give it up. Everybody, 
Austin, Austin, Austin. And the crowd really goes for it. And 10,000 people are chanting, Austin, Austin, Austin. And Michael Cole stops. And he gives one of my favorite lines in all of wrestling. In, in like one of the best heel turn. He looks at the camera and he says, you fools. You're all fools. I suckered you in. Me, Michael Cole, which is just the most like mustache twirling nonsense that I've ever heard. <laughs> but it's absolutely fantastic because he's like, my special guest referee is JBL. <laughs> and, and the stock market bell rings and JBL's limo rolls out and he gets nah, out. And he's like, nah, hey guys, nah. what's up? I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I hate I hate everything about JBL so much. <laughs> That's stupid, well, so stupid entrance music. Ding, 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 ding. It's like, what are we playing? Oregon Trail? Jeez. That, I know. It's not even like cool or intimidating, which is why it's the perfect heel. It's like the basically. most generic cowboy music you'd hear in a mm-hmm. Western movie. Well, like, that's kind of what he is. You know, he's just a. No, he's not. Cow- that's the thing. But he's not. He's a, he's a <laughs> fake cowboy who's like. Or what, what was it? I forgot which way it was first. Was he. I think his character was from Texas who went to New York and made the stock yeah, market. It was something or, like that. Or either it was a stock market guy who pretends to be a cowboy. I don't remember which one. Either way, but that's they're both I mean, ridiculous. Like the point of the character is that he's this dweeb who isn't that authentically Western, and the sure. music kind of plays to that, right? Anyway, the crowd is not happy to see JBL. I don't think any crowd ever is. But he makes his way to the ring, and he's saying, you know, he's got the nerve. JBL has the nerve to look Michael Cole in the eye and say, yeah, I'm really glad you're doing this, Michael Cole, and I'm glad you chose me because, you know, I hate bullies. And I think it's really messed up when people pick on other people. (sighs) (laughs) And I'm proud of you, Michael Cole. He says, I'm proud of you for standing up to the bully that Jerry has been. So what I'm going to do is I promise you I'm going to call this right down the middle and we're going to give that bully Jerry the King Lawler his comeuppance and just as soon as I sign this contract. And Mark, sometimes in wrestling you know exactly what's going to happen and it's still beautiful because this is what happens. Glass shatters. Stone Cold Steve Austin comes storming down to the ring. And the crowd goes nuts because they all wanted to see Stone Cold anyway. Stone Cold rocks and rolls down to the ring. Just stuns the soul right out of JBL. (laughs) His hat goes flying like he sells it beautifully. It's just, (laughs) it's one of the purest moments in all of wrestling. Like a good stunner. Of course. He runs out, hits all four corners, hits a stunner to JBL. Picks up the pin, signs the contract, and now he's the special guest referee at WrestleMania, which is a fun loophole in wrestling that I feel like not enough people talk about. Like, people know if you beat someone up and take their spot in the Rumble, you're in the Rumble now. Oh, gosh. If you do that for the Elimination Chamber, like Edge, hey, you're in the Chamber match now, I guess. People don't take advantage of the contract signing loophole enough, and I feel like they should. I, I feel like there should be a lot more people getting jumped by other participants at contract signings. Anyway, all that being said, the crowd goes home happy. Michael Cole is terrified. He's freaked out. Austin drinks some beer and just rocks back off. Like, that's kind of his role in wrestling at this point, right? <laughs> Pretty much. So now we finally made it to WrestleMania 27. 
Mark, I was very excited to do this episode because I know that you were at WrestleMania 27. Oh, so yes, I was. Can you, can you tell me anything? Let's just go through this in order. Can you tell me anything about your feelings about this match? I'll tell you a couple things. Th- these are my feelings. I have three feelings. One, this is probably the worst thing to ever happen, and 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 I couldn't <laughs> and I couldn't believe that you know. Well, I I could believe, but the fact that this had to happen on the card. To be honest, I don't think I even watched the match. I feel like I went to go get food or something at this point. <laughs> it was either that match or the uh, the the Snooky match, or that was the other. I might have missed that one. But I forgot um, that was there. I don't blame you. Which is that. a shame because I got like Trish Stratus was a part of that and stuff. And, and anyway, yeah. anyway, that's beside the point. But um, no, I think I did watch it when I was there. But th- there were three thoughts. One, this this shouldn't be happening. This is terrible. Um, two. Wow, I get to see Stone Cold because I'd never seen him in person before. And then also, well, at least we don't have to hear the commentary. <laughs> like, you don't understand, Harris. That that whole WrestleMania show, even though it's bad anyway, like, it's unwatchable. Because the whole first half of the show has Heel Cole just, like, hyping his own match. Like... By being the, the worst, you know, the heel commentator. Like, yeah. he ruins so many matches that were actually decent. Cody Rhodes and Rey Mysterio had a great match for the Intercontinental Championship. While Cody Rhodes was doing his broken face character, which was amazing. They have a really good match, and it's ruined because of Michael Cole. So many matches are ruined. And so um, the best thing is that at that halfway point, they did this match... And then Cole's gone the rest of the show, and JR yeah. comes back. And yeah, so then yeah. for the rest of the show, you get JR on commentary, like for the Undertaker Triple H match and, and that stuff. But yeah. but when you're there in person, obviously the good thing was we didn't have to deal, listen to that. But To any of it anyway. Yeah, yeah, the only positive part was I got to see Stone Cold in person. That, that was where yeah. it began and ended, and we got to see one of the best stunners ever on Booker T afterwards, <laughs> which was amazing. That is a pretty good one. Well, so... I think that's the thing that I want to emphasize again, because I know we kind of got lost in the weeds of walking through the story. But not only is Michael Cole being an obnoxious tool week in and week out, like I haven't focused on that as much because it's it is unpleasant to try and like take notes on just how unpleasant Michael Cole is. It's like you're absolutely uh, right about that. But it's every match. It's every pay-per-view, almost every minute, week in and week out. And that's the reason that this is such a terrible idea and people remember it so badly because it just, it trickled through the entire product and just took a, it it sapped the fun out of literally everything because you're right. If there's a dumb angle in wrestling, whatever, that's going to be like a segment or two a week and you can move on. But this was a dumb angle that was part of every segment every week. Because again, this is like on paper. Okay. I had fun watching this match with the understanding that like hey jerry's been doing this for years we want to give him a wrestlemania moment like we talked about early in the show we need to have something dumb and quick and fun and crowd pleasing just to shake up the pacing of the show a little bit on paper i get why this match happened again the the weird part is watching the commentary booth just completely roll over right so he burka t comes down and then JR comes down to Boomer Sooner, which is always great. I just love that it that's is. his walk-up music. It is funny. 
And as he's coming down, Michael Cole interrupts and comes out and interrupts Boomer sooner. So, you know, boo, how dare he? And he starts cutting a promo on JR and, you know, he's ripping JR and calling him fat, and ripping Jerry Lawler and saying, you know, they have a lot in common. They're both overweight and they're both over the hill. Ha 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 ha. And he starts laughing like you could tell Vince wrote that for him, I think. <laughs> he's got no heat. Like the crowd is, they're happy to see JR. They will politely root for Jerry Lawler. That's kind of the gist you get. Yeah, I mean, that part was kind of cool. That part was wild to me because I didn't realize he'd never had a match at WrestleMania. And it's like, yeah. really? Really? He's never had a match at WrestleMania and then he gets this? Oh, right. It's, it's amazing shame. that they couldn't slot him in for something in like the late 90s when he was. Right. <laughs> anyway, agree. you know, so he Michael Cole gets down to the ring and he posts up next to the ring and then Jack Swagger starts coming down and as he gets about halfway down the ramp he stops to do like his push-up taunt which right. is like part of his entrance and then he has to dive out of the way because Stone Cold Steve Austin just comes ripping down the <laughs> ramp on a four-wheeler I don't know if this is what happened but I like to imagine that Vince just called him and was like hey we need you for Wrestlemania and Steve's like I don't know Vince I just got this sick new ATV I'm about to go take it out and Vince is like, I don't care. You can bring it to the no, ring. No, no, Harris, 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 Harris. Come on. Stone Cold always came out on ATVs. Not, yes. Ever since okay. like 2003. He, now, I have a question about this because this was the other thing I thought of. Is that partially because his knee was messed up or just because he wanted to? Uh, to be honest, I have no idea. No Because I figured the second thing I thought, not having seen him a lot on television since then... I didn't know that. That was just kind of what I thought of. Yeah, he came out on an ATV like... at WrestleMania 24 when he refed the match with uh, Goldberg and Lesnar, or at WrestleMania. It was in 2004. WrestleMania 20. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He okay. came out on ATVs all the time. All right. All right. So that's just his thing. Yeah. But Which I did, awesome. I saw that looking at the ramp. I was like, I feel like he kind of just didn't want to stumble all the way down there because he's the, always got those side now that would that wouldn't surprise me if that if that was a part I, of it <laughs> i still feel like at some point that was a conversation where vince was like i don't care i just want you here you can do whatever you want he's like sweet all right i'm gonna ride my four-wheeler then at any rate he almost kills jack swagger jack swagger has to dive <laughs> off the ramp he's circling the ring he gets right up to michael cole and he's revving the engine michael cole's freaking out and this is Here's the thing. I understand how annoying the storyline was, or you know, in theory. Michael Cole as a heel is a decent performer because you really want to see him get killed. At some point during all of this, he started broadcasting from a plexiglass box yep. at ringside that he called the coal mine yep. so that he could stay safe from Jerry Lawler. And that's yep. just such a beautifully douchey thing to do. And the level of detail is amazing. There's a nameplate on his coal miner desk that says twitter.com slash Michael Cole because nobody even knew what Twitter was at that point. He's got stickers of his own face taped to his monitor. Like the set design for the coal mine <laughs> is really well done, and I feel like not enough people appreciate that. At any rate, he climbs into the coal mine and shuts the door as Stone Cold comes ripping around the ring in a four-wheeler, which is fair. It's probably not safe. And then Jerry comes down, and again, like people are excited for Stone Cold, and they hate Michael Cole. He's just getting, like, you know, respect pops for Jerry Lawler. Nobody is really psyched for this match, even if everyone is kind of like, well, yeah, I guess he does deserve it, right? Mm -hmm. 
But it's interesting to me that you don't remember much about this match because there's not a whole lot to remember. But they decided, like, what they try to do, because if Jerry's kind of old, he's 61 at this point, he's a little over the hill. Michael Cole has never worked a match in his life because he's not a wrestler. He's just a commentator. So to try to draw it out, what they do is they have, you know, like Michael Cole has come to the ring, by the way, wearing like a bright orange wrestling jumpsuit. Like it's high school wrestling. It's a sing. He's wearing wrestling. a wrestling singlet yeah, with the yeah. ear protectors. With the head, yeah, with the headset on, like the ear protectors, right. And what he'll do is he he acts like there's a problem with it, and he starts complaining to Stone Cold, and Stone Cold looks at it. And while he's doing that, Jack Swagger rips Jerry Lawler out of the ring, puts him in the ankle lock, and just wrenches his ankle, and then lets him slide back into the ring. And they use that as the pretense to like let Michael Cole, the bad guy, get a little bit of offense in it first. Except he gets about six minutes of offense in. Just too much for anybody. Yeah. For anybody who's never had any wrestling experience to get over. It's ridiculous. Like, it's... Again, everything about this match I get on paper except for this decision. Because this is supposed to be like a fun, dumb like carnival circus popcorn match and it can't be that because we're watching michael cole try to hit like a swagger bomb off the top rope and booker t's like well it's not exactly high risk is it because he's doing it off like the first rope (laughs) it's not entertaining no the best part about this and i'm just gonna i'm gonna pause we're gonna pull this thing over to the side of the road for a second mark i had to stop the broadcast and go back and rewatch it to get this detail because somebody in the second row of this crowd has the best sign that I've ever seen at any <laughs> wrestling show. And it's for this match specifically. I'm pretty sure this is the reason they made it. As Michael Cole is locking in his own ankle lock on 40-year veteran and WWE Hall of Famer, Jerry the King Lawler, somebody holds up a white sign with plain black text that says, This is so compelling, with such a rich and borderline poetic subtext, that I am suspending my disbelief. <laughs> I, I never noticed that. That's amazing. It's it's exactly what this match deserves. Oh, I'm gonna have to look. Th- I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to find that. That sounds great. I, I gotta. I gotta look at it's, that. That's awesome. It looks like the same font. I don't know if you've ever seen the one. This gets passed around a little more, especially for Roman Reigns. Where it says, sir, I feel compelled to tell you we are not booing you because of your effective heel work. We are booing you because you are simply awful. <laughs> I think it's the same it's guy. Great, that's a great that one, same too. same kind of style, you know? It's a good one. That was the most entertaining part of this match until finally, finally, Jerry like gets one reversal, starts stomping the absolute crap out of Michael Cole like in the corner and commentaries like what would you say is he stomping a mud hole like oh like stone cold you know because stone cold's here and he's the ref right and booker t's like man you know this special guest referee is really allowing a lot of liberties here and jack swagger realizes (laughs) that stone cold has no intention of stopping this match for something (laughs) like a dq obviously and he throws in the towel he does the smartest thing anybody does in this whole match and says stop the match stop it ring the bell like he's done he can't defend himself obviously and Stone Cold looks at him, and he looks at the towel, and he picks up the towel, and he wipes his face off with it, hands it back to Swagger, and the crowd goes nuts, you know. And Jack Swagger gets in the ring and starts explaining himself. He's like, no, listen to me. I'm stopping the match, and he shoves Stone Cold. 
And then the crowd goes nuts because they're like, oh, you did it. You did it. And Stone Cold looks at him. Boom. Just nails him with a stunner. Swagger goes flying out of the ring. The crowd goes nuts. Michael Cole tries to shove Stone Cold, and Stone Cold just shoves him right back. Jerry starts punching him to the ground. He hits a... I don't know what... You, I don't know if you know the move for this. Where he gets up on like the top rope or the second rope and he does that punch down onto the ground. Yeah, I know it's just diving fist. The diving fist. That's right. He hits him with that, goes for the pin. Stone Cold gives him a nice slow like one, two, and then he stops. Because Jerry the King Waller has rolled Michael Cole back up off his shoulders. He says, no, 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 no. Let's do it this way. And Stone Cold is amazing. Stone Cold looks at him like, man, come on, what are you doing? But they're both just laughing. They're clearly having a good time. Right. The crowd, I should point out, is really into it at this point because this is all this match should have ever been. We hate Michael Cole. We respect Jerry Lawler. We love Stone Cold. So what Jerry Lawler does is he locks in his own ankle lock, and the second he applies any pressure, Michael's tapping. He's tapping with one hand. He's tapping frantically, frantically. He starts tapping with two hands and just screaming. And it's so satisfying because he's just the worst, you know? Like, it's just, it's everything you could ever hope for in this moment. And Stone Cold squats down. And he looks at him and he says, do you tap out? Hmm. Michael Cole says, yes, yes, I do. He's tapping with both hands, you know? And he says, no, I can't. I want to be sure. Do you quit? And it's been like 30 seconds at this point. He's just crying and screaming. He doesn't even have the energy to tap anymore. And Stone Cold looks at the bell and he's like, all right, ring it. We're done. We're done. And the crowd, you know, is like, yay. And Stone Cold does, you know, he calls for a beer and they start drinking in the ring. And, you know, at the end of the day, this has been a dumb angle. But like I said, this is like a circus angle. This is the sideshow match. And, you know, we get to see Stone Cold hit a couple stunners. Like you said, like Booker T comes up and he eats one. You know, if I'm watching this live at the time and watching it now, I think, oh, you know, this really hasn't been that bad. Like Michael Cole sucks and that was a mistake. But he played the heel so well. It's good to see Jerry Lawler get a win at WrestleMania. You know, he certainly deserves it. And, oh, oh, what's that? We're getting an email from the anonymous Raw general manager. Yep. And I quote, and I'm not going to quote because I don't remember what exactly he says. <laughs> but the general manager says, well, the referee has grossly overstepped his authority by laying hands on Michael Cole, you know, because he shoved him like 10 minutes earlier in the match. Uh, therefore, this match is a disqualification and Michael Cole wins by disqualification. Putting, as one person put it, pointing him only 17 matches behind The Undertaker on the all-time list at this point. Because the rest, you know, Undertaker's 18-0 well, at this point. Well, they're not wrong. <laughs> right? <laughs> technically, technically, you're right. But all of a sudden, any goodwill that the audience has, like, you just took a feel-good moment and threw it completely out the window. Yep. Oh, WWE loves to do that. They, I, Yeah. Yeah, they do. And now the crowd is kind of pissed and Jerry Lawler's disappointed and you get one more stunner out of it, but it doesn't really feel worth it because Michael Cole, the heel, just beat Jerry the King Lawler at WrestleMania. Why? Why would you ever do Cause, that? Because Vince well, McMahon is actually stupid. We went over this at the beginning of the show. Yeah, we've come full circle, right? So the real reason they wanted the feud You know what? I take it back. Going. It's no, not it, well. It is Vince McMahon is stupid. That still is part of it. But it's Vince McMahon thinks it's funny. That's why. 
We've gone yeah. over, and I think we've talked about this before. A lot of these really dumb things, Vince legitimately thinks they're funny. Like, he thinks these terrible angles and whatever and certain things that are just, like, almost either disgusting or just ridiculous or whatever. Like, he legitimately thinks this stuff is funny and nobody else does. Yeah. So, anyway, I think that's more of what it was. I think you nailed it. Well, here's the other thing, and this is something that the uh the, the historically significant disasters of wrestling gets into a little bit is they wanted this feud to continue oh yeah and that tells you a little something about the state of wrestling at the time and how much faith Vince had in his roster that they were going they decided to give Jerry Lawler a 61-year-old man a legend but a 61-year-old man and Michael Cole a complete novice in pro wrestling not one, but two more pay-per-view matches. Yep. So not only, like, if, if this had stopped here. You know what, Anne, and I'm, I'm going to pause go you ahead. one more time. Go just ahead. because I pulled up I pulled up the pay-per-view because I wanted to see the sign. But I didn't realize this. There are exactly two matches on the entire four-hour WrestleMania that are longer than, than Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole. Mm-hmm. Triple H Undertaker and the main event, John Cena and The Miz. This match mm-hmm. is longer than Edge versus Alberto Del Rio for the World Heavyweight Championship. This match is longer than Cody Rhodes versus Rey Mysterio for the Intercontinental Championship. This match is longer than CM Punk versus Randy Orton. This match is longer, Harris. Longer. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, uh, this is almost as long this is only a little bit longer than The Rock's 20 minute talk at the beginning of the show like this is like the longest thing this is the longest thing this is the third longest thing on the show yeah why yeah it's, I don't know <laughs> I don't know because again like on paper I I get it like I can understand okay well the heel Michael Cole thing went on too long and infatuated like too much of the product but like again you get to see Stone Cold hit some stunners. You get to see Jerry Lawler get a WrestleMania win and like a nice entrance and a little salute moment. You get to see heel Michael Cole be humiliated. Why does it need to be a 15-minute match? Right. Like that, I just, I don't. But even then, even after all of that, like half of that match sucked because it was Michael Cole getting an offense. But then you get to the end and you have him lose. And it's a beautiful, it's as thorough a humiliation as you could ever want to see a bad guy go through. It's great. And they immediately throw it out the window. And we get two more months of this. And I'm not I'm not gonna go into as much detail because I don't know, maybe it's kinda like you, like I just couldn't do it anymore. But partially just because I felt like this this should have been the end and like thematically everything made sense and they brought it all together and this should have been the end. Right, of course. And everything that happens feels like an afterthought even as I watched it today. So the next few weeks, Michael Cole goes on to anoint himself as the new Mr. WrestleMania. And he's still allied with Jack Swagger. They, they have an episode that they tape in London where he's knighted by the queen, which almost could have been an episode, but it's just, it's not long enough. It's just one segment, but it's literally, they say, ladies and gentlemen, her Royal Highness, the queen and then they start playing like the national anthem and some old woman walks down to the ring who doesn't really look like the queen but she looks like <laughs> about the right age 
and she starts walking him through it, and the crowd doesn't really know if they should be offended or just laugh at this, because they're right. all British, and they know that the Queen wasn't going to show up, and they're just kind of half-heartedly booing. So he's he's knighted in the ring. Michael Cole is knighted. He's now Sir Michael Cole. Good so for him. Whenever you think it's kind of lame that somebody who wins the King of the Ring is just like King, like King Seamus at this time, is just King for a few months, I think they should be knighted. I think that's a little bit cooler. So... Sir Michael starts talking about how he's a member of the royal family now, and Jr. and Jerry the King Lawler come out to put a stop to it because Jr. is an active wrestler now, which I don't really understand. And <laughs> Jack Swagger beats up Jr. because Vince McMahon hates Jr. and he forces Jr. to kiss Michael Cole's foot because he's a peasant and Michael Cole is royalty. And then the two get booked in a match for Extreme Rules. And this is, you know, this is one of our favorite pay-per-views where it's all stipulations yeah. because it's extreme rules. So everything has to be extreme. So, you know, what are we going to do? Hell in the Cell? No. Can't do that. Steel Cage match? No. Tornado Tag match? God, no, because JR is involved and <laughs> he can't wrestle. He can't do I love the guy, but he can't do anything. And no. everyone knows it. So we're going to put them in a tag team country whipping match where each participant is given a leather strap and they can just, they're legal. You can just whip the crap out of the other guy with your, with your whip, with your leather whip. Woo. It's not even really extreme rules. You know, when you think about everything else that you could possibly do, it's just kind of weird. So, <laughs> you know, the King comes out and he's got his little crown and his wrestling singlet. And then, JR comes out and he's got his cowboy hat on and a uh, Oklahoma Sooners jersey on because he doesn't have wrestling gear because he's not a wrestler right. and never has been. Makes his way down to the ring. Jack Swagger comes down, does his push-ups. And then Michael Cole comes out and he's got his orange, you know, little unitard looking thing on. He's got his little wrestling helmet on. And he's covered in about four th solid inches of bubble wrap mm -hmm. on every side. Very smart. And he, he, you would think he would kind of like hide in the corner and let Jack Swagger do the work. He actually tags in immediately and is like, come on, let's go. And Jerry walks up to him and gives him a little thwip, you know, with the leather strap. And it doesn't work because uh, he's wearing bubble wrap. Right. Very smart. You know, it kind it, it's kind of a miracle nobody else has thought to do this before. I can't apparently, believe it. It's not illegal, you know, you can no. wear whatever, so I'm just... I'm surprised people don't come out in, like, full motorcycle pads. Yeah, so he starts taunting, you know, he's taunting Jerry, and then Jerry reaches over and grabs him by the chest and just rips the bubble wrap off, and now Michael Cole's exposed butt is just sitting there in his dumb little wrestling uniform, Oh boy! and Jerry starts chasing him around the ring, whipping his butt with a leather strap. Um... <sighs> And then if you're watching live, you might think, oh, well, finally, we're going to get this over with. And then Jack Swagger rolls up JR and secures the win. Because at some point in between all of that, the two of them got tagged in. Uh, JR has eaten a pinfall because that's what everyone wanted to see. Oh, yeah. And Michael Cole gets to say that he beat Jerry Lawler twice. <sighs> and my interest, and I assume yours, is rapidly dwindling at this point. No, it's not dwindling. It's so never been there. It's all gone. Uh, yeah. Been gone. Yeah. I don't know. Do you remember either of these two subsequent pay-per-views? Did you? Yeah. Or did WrestleMania 27 kind of burn you out? No, I, 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 I do. 
now. Yeah. Thank you. Bringing it, bringing it back. So thank you for that. Yeah. The last one, the last and final one is that, uh, is that a pay-per-view called over the limit, which is a pretty dumb name, but at least it's not based on a stipulation. True. Jerry wants a rematch so bad that Michael Cole is about to retire from entering competition. Smart. It is smart. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. But before he can do that, Jerry says, look, I will, if you beat me in this match, like one-on-one, I will give you my own Hall of Fame ring. And wow. when you're inducted into the Hall of Fame, because you've had such a great career, you're the new Mr. WrestleMania. When you're inducted into the Hall of Fame, I will personally do the honors myself. Wow. Yeah, so he really wants this match back, you know? That's a big deal. Yeah, Michael Cole says, well, all right, you know, so they have a contract signing, and he signs on the dotted line, and then he reveals that Jerry actually didn't read the fine print, and he signed up for a kiss-my-foot match. Yep, oh, no, I remember this one. What a a great and interesting and not-at-all-stupid-and-juvenile stipulation, right? No. So... So that happens. Um, before that happens, <laughs> Michael Cole, it, I don't want to say like his head is getting too big for his britches because it's always been that big. True. But he does, he kind of just starts to lose his own common sense. And Jerry talks to Jack Swagger during this contract signing. He says, honestly, man, I don't know what you're doing here because you're a former <laughs> world champion and now you're just Michael Cole's sidekick. <laughs> Which is something that I feel like people had kind of been pointing out, you know, on the internet for the entirety of this feud. Right. But then Michael Cole turns around and says what we're all thinking anyway. And he says, come on, nobody remembers that Jack Swagger was the world champion. (laughs) (laughs) Which is is pretty funny to hear because he's absolutely right. He's fair, that's fair. But Jack Swagger is suddenly like... Wait a second, this is stupid. What am I doing here? And he bails. <laughs> He's done. Like, it took that moment of realization for him to be like, I've made a mistake here. Uh, okay. And he's gone. So Michael Cole now is alone. And he's been antagonizing more and more people as the months go on. Whether it's just his ego getting carried away or he's getting careless or he's bold, you know, because he actually thinks he can beat anyone in a fight. At any rate, we get to the Kiss My Foot match, and now he's alone. He's got no backup. He's got no Jack Swagger to protect him anymore. He doesn't have any special guest referee. So he makes his way down to the ring, and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? And everybody goes, Because they're so tired of this dumb little man and this dumb, dumb storyline. And Michael Cole says, Yeah, I actually I would love to wrestle tonight and make Jerry Lawler kiss my foot. But I actually don't. Uh, I haven't been medically cleared because my (laughs) athlete's foot got infected. I have a note from the doctor here, and he says that my infected athlete's foot is so bad that if I were to make Jerry Lawler kiss it, he could get get foot-in-mouth disease. So I have this note from my doctor, Mr. Referee, and I'm very sorry, but I can't wrestle in this match. Perfect. And the ref looks at him. Takes the doctor's note, tears it up into a dozen pieces because we're all ready to be done with this storyline. Even the ref, <laughs> who is literally paid to be impartial and do this kind of stuff as part of his job. Right. And the match begins, and Michael Cole is thrown through the coal mine, which is still in operation at this point. 
and his boot is ripped off and you can see his foot is in fact discolored. I don't know if they like put makeup on his foot <laughs> or if he actually had athlete's foot, which is kind of funny to imagine. But he beats him. He goes for the, you know, the fist again from the top rope, pins him for the three count in about three minutes, which is all the time that this match ever deserved in the first place two months ago. And then he's about to make him kiss his foot. And then Boomer Sooner plays, and good old JR makes his way down to the ring. <laughs> and he takes a bottle of barbecue sauce, and he pours it all over his face. You know, that'll teach you to make me kiss your foot and call me fat and make fun of my barbecue sauce. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Michael Cole, maybe because he's all, you know, like lubed up by the barbecue sauce, he wriggles away, makes his way up the ramp, and as he's looking back down on them, he says... And I quote, it may look like I lost tonight, again, covered in barbecue sauce, but I'm no loser. You're the loser, Jerry the King Lawler, and you're the loser, JR, and all of you, you're all, you're the losers, and I, I'll never kiss your foot. And then Bret Hart's music hits, and Bret Hart comes out and chases him back to the ring, and they force him to kiss jerry lawler's foot yay and three months and a match and several special guest appearances too late this feud comes to an end and if you feel tired and like that went on for a long time i can only imagine how mark and everyone watching live felt i feel tired now with you going going back over it remembering this horribleness that was going on and you know Vince McMahon was sitting in the back, falling off his chair, laughing at all this. Yeah. And everyone else is standing there yeah. like, why are we Why are we here? <laughs> this was, that's the thing, man. If this was, if, if this is a new and cool and potentially exciting time to be a wrestling fan, I feel like this was kind of the dark ages. Because even like. There were moments, it, yeah. There were. Any there, of the yeah. fresh blood that was like, this is the ruthless aggression era, that was long gone. Edge oh, yeah. is just retired well, because this after is this is like the, this is like the third year of the PG era of WWE, yeah. and yeah. it was trash at the beginning. Yeah, so you've got you know it's John Cena and then Albert the River himself and Sheamus and again Edge just retired. There's really not a lot of star power on this roster, and this is something that the article I read that that taught me about this angle pointed out. They were like, man. How little does Vince McMahon trust the roster yeah. when he gives this crap a three-month build? They took up time on three pay-per-views. Now, granted, the last pay-per-view, it wasn't that much time, but there's no, there's nobody on the roster. You don't look at Cody Rhodes and think, hey, this guy's been doing some really good stuff. Maybe we should give him a little more time in a spot a little bit closer to the main event. Like, no, no, we know we don't have anything good. And we're just going to kind of double down on people's kind of dwindling respect for Jerry Lawler and hatred for Michael Cole. And we're going to insert celebrities wherever we can to get the cheap pops. And we're just going to see how that works. And this is where I don't understand how stupid Vince McMahon is in so many instances. Well, I think it just kind of underlines how little trust he had in his roster and how little options he actually had. Like there were other options, but... I don't know. It's I, I can't imagine them doing something like this today. You know, like the roster's huh. always been Are talented. Are you kidding me? But, 
100% I'll see them doing this. Vince McMahon has months? always been I, this. Maybe. Vince McMahon has always been that, and he will yeah. always be that. And there will always be moments like that that will happen in WWE as long as Vince McMahon is here. 100%. Yeah, then- now, now it might vary in how many times it happens or how often it happens or, or stuff like that. But it will all... Oh, you, you just wait. There'll be one of these for WrestleMania. There'll be something along this line, and he'll have it all ready, and it'll be his proudest moment. Well, see, this is the thing, again, bringing it back to our differing perspectives. Looking back on this and never having to watch it live, I get the WrestleMania match. If this had been like a six-minute squash, and you got to have the Stone Cold pop and all the stunners and humiliate Michael Cole and then move on and we're done... Like like I said at the beginning of this episode, I get having your brief like sideshow matches. And in fact, I think WrestleMania is the place to do that just because that card is so dang long. You have to break it up with dumb little sideshows like this. The problem is building it into this three-month arc, basically oh, not yeah. recognizing it for what it is, which is a carnival sideshow match and saying, no, no, we can milk like three or four months out of this. That's the biggest problem they made. And I like if they had stopped, it still would have been bad. But it's the feud as a whole that really just killed it for everybody, I think. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. It was already dead because heel Michael Cole. That was the yeah. problem. It wasn't even the feud as much as it was the heel Michael Cole commentary aspect. That was the worst yeah. part. Yeah, well, that's I mean, that's the thing. And. When you watch this, like the match itself is bad, but there's some dumb fun to it. And again, the Stone Cold Pop is fun, and it's fun to see the crowd kind of get into it. But I didn't have to listen to Michael Cole for six months to get to that point. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? So hopefully they understand that they're never going to do that again. Oh, I hope so. Nothing else. I hope so. The heel play-by-play commentator. My goodness. Because here's the thing. Michael Cole... Take aside the fact that his job was to announce the wrestling matches. Heel Michael Cole is a great heel because you want to see him just get smashed. And when he does, it's satisfying. And he's not like he's not a super gifted performer, but he does a good enough job. And he's with little details like the may I have your attention, please. And I quote and like he gave himself a slammy that year. He gave himself the slammy for line of the year for always saying and i quote like just little details like that like pasting pictures of his own face all over the coal miner that's a fun i want to see you get your ass kicked at wrestlemania level heel and it's a shame to me that it's 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 really funny it's really funny that you feel that way well and i feel nobody else i didn't have to listen to him all the time (laughs) right 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 and if they hadn't ground the audience into the dust by insisting that he be like that all the time then i think people would have appreciated him a little bit more for like the cartoon character that he was and at the same time like it's really messed up that watching this angle gave me a new respect for jerry lawler and then i still lost all interest because it was that dumb and it just kept going like (laughs) i would have loved after that elimination chamber moment like legitimately, y'all go watch, go look up that promo. It's like halfway through the 2011 Elimination Chamber, or just find it. It's just a backstage interview. But man, it's good. And I watched oh, yeah. that, and I'm just like, I get that they wanted to give Jerry a WrestleMania moment, 
if you don't feel like he's worthy of like a Shawn Michaels or Ric Flair level send off, at least give him something like that. Give him something respectable. Even if it's going to be a joke like this, just give him the win. It was so disappointing to realize that like, wait, this guy's actually a really good performer and they're trying to like pay him his dues and give him some respect and then just waste it on something dumb like this. You know, like if he got to, if somebody retired him at WrestleMania, like maybe they feel like he's not that important. They don't want to, you know, use somebody on the card to retire him. But man, he deserved better. He really did. And I feel bad that, like you said, Jerry Lawler, a lot of people just think of as like, oh, the goofy color commentator. And if you're a modern WWE fan, you don't even know him from any other good work he has. The one thing you've seen him do in WWE is this terrible angle. And that's a shame. I agree. So at long last, I am done. I know it felt like that went on for years. It did. I feel like that's only fair for me because I I didn't have to watch it actually go on for years (laughs) like you did. If you had to watch this go on for years and there's anything else that we missed about heel Michael Cole, like I I almost could have done a whole show just on him. But again, it's hard to focus on one obnoxious thing that he did. True. This was just kind of the easiest crux of it to point out. But send me some of your worst heel Michael Cole moments because it is fun to watch them after the fact when you know he can't hurt you anymore. <laughs> eh, but other than fair. that, man, I am done and I am worn out. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're two hours in um, pretty much to this podcast. So I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Um, I'll figure something out. Might be in two parts. I might just delete a bunch of it, it from the beginning. I don't know. So uh, if you're listening to this right now, you know exactly what happened. So you know more than I do, at least as I'm recording this. <laughs> but that's fine. Something will happen. They'll, they'll be out here. It'll be out regardless. But, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, powering through this with us. Thanks for powering through our uh, all of our rants at the beginning of the show, which went way, way, way longer than <laughs> we ever have done before. So uh, thanks for that, and then thanks for powering through Heal Michael Cole, which is it's 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 worth it's worth having an episode on. But I'm just glad I didn't have to do it. That's, that's like I fair. said, if you watch the WrestleMania match, because no, not no, the no, worst no, you don't. You seen. don't have to watch the WrestleMania okay. match. Watch it for the sign at least. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. You can find the sign. The sign is, I mean, is definitely good. There's no Michael Cole on commentary, so he that's can't a hurt good, you. That's a good point. It's a good point. But anyway. So that does it for this episode. Um, unfortunately, there's there's no uh, I have nothing for this week in David Arquette. You cannot kill David Arquette. You cannot kill David Arquette. What I, seriously? I, no, come on, we no, have big news. I what? David Arquette's gonna fight Rusev at WrestleMania. You saw oh, that tweet? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if that does happen, that, I, that would be great, but. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Rusev tweeting about David Arquette and David Arquette responding, and then everyone jumping on that was pretty great. I I enjoy the the little you know. There's a little hipster corner of everyone's brain that likes liking things before other people like them. True. I enjoy that we're like the conductors of the David Arquette bandwagon at this point. <laughs> and anytime he gets mentioned in anything remotely mainstream wrestling, we're like, yeah, David Arquette. He deserves your respect. It's true. Put him in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> we jump all over it, man. We we were the OG David Arquette fans um, post uh, WCW. 
I think so. Exactly. Think that's fair to say. So, uh, so th- I guess Rusev, that, that's our, yeah, that's, that's our David Arquette little snippet. Yeah, for... Rusev, if you're listening and I know you are and you want to lay down the gauntlet, lay down a challenge, just reach out. We'll have you on the show. That'd oh be yeah. Great. We would love to have Rusev. We, we can have a, uh, uh, dueling, uh, th- promos with Rusev and David Arquette. That'd be fun. Perfect. Yeah. We'll give you a platform. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah you, you're always welcome here. Either of you. And uh, this is this is the place to come. That's for sure. All right. Well, after that marathon, we're uh, finally done for this week. We do apologize if we turned any of you off with the extended content, but it it just happened. We this was not you know we don't we don't come in planning. All right, this one's gonna be this long, and this one's gonna yeah. be this long. It's just we just come in and just go for it. And sometimes this happens, so it's all good. Keeps it organic. Yeah. And it is, it's kind of on brand for the topic at hand, True, to be honest. It is, it is. That's very true, too. Just give you that real sense of weariness at the end of the day. You're just like, <laughs> why, why do I do this? The way you're why feeling right now, this? that's the way we all felt during that seg- that uh, whole uh, angle. So, you know, that's fair. Anyway, go ahead and uh, send, us a, uh, any, send us any comments, questions, anything you have on Twitter. Give us a follow on Twitter, at behind underscore gorilla. Send us uh, anything you want us to do an episode on. We've, we've gotten suggestions before and have turned those into episodes, so we're always down for more suggestions. So send us, shoot us those suggestions to our Twitter page. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at MarkMarkBrand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. You can do that as well. Also, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Those always help. And if you have your own wrestling podcast, go ahead and let us know, and we will be more than happy to respond with uh, rating and reviewing your wrestling podcast as well. So that'll do it for this week in Behind the Gorilla. And hopefully you tune in next week for whatever crazy topic uh, in the history of wrestling we tell you about. So again, I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And have a great week. Great week.